love, joy, insurrection, and death threats. All this today and more (laughs) on Self-Evident Podcast. We got some doozies, y'all. Yeah, we do. We, it's self-evident podcast, you know, we have a take, you know, and hopefully you're here for the take. What you're doing is learning biblically how we should respond to issues going on in the world. Our whole theme is love your neighbor as yourself, disciple your neighbor, that kind of thing, right? We're all about that. But then you get the stupid news media Filling our heads with junk and garbage. And if you listen to that more than read the word, you're kind of screwed up. What are you taking in? Yeah, because what goes in comes out, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So if we're not constantly renewing our minds by the word, which is a common scripture, right? Just before that, he's talking about making your bodies a living sacrifice for him, which Mm -hmm. means that's where love begins. You renew your mind after you make your body a living sacrifice. Can't renew your mind if you're not willing to sacrifice things that are getting your body to commit evil things, right? It's almost a dying to self, a taking up your cross, if you will. Follow me. Then he says, renew your mind by the word of God. If you're renewing your mind by constantly what the media is saying, what the social media is saying, with what other pundits are saying, you're not really renewing your mind at that point. You're renewing your flesh. And we don't want that. So we're going to talk about news bits today. And it's going to be a little different because we're actually kind of hitting the issues a little bit deeper and what our takes are on it. Now, one of the first ones is this. Insurrection. Oh, wait, it's a protest because they're pro-Palestine. So they're allowed to, you know, rush on into the Capitol building and, you know, stop everything. And, And some of you will say they should do what they did to the other people on January 6th. No, they shouldn't because all you're doing is setting precedent. Now, we pointed it out on Friday of like, I mean, where's the 20 years for these people? But our position really is, and liberty. I'm with you, of like liberty. Like, I don't care that they were in the middle of the rotunda and they, they did their protest. Do you? Yeah. And if you want to say, well, January 6th, they, they stole the, the podium. If we look back at the protesters who ran into the Capitol building on other issues that were liberal, damage was done, destruction was done, right? Now, I understand if something gets demolished, vandalized, get them on that. Uh, a murder, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. someone gets killed, yeah. Somebody gets let's, killed. Let's, let's talk about it. Charge that. Sure. But why are we going to then go after people for going into a public building that their tax dollars pay for? Right, and I'm with you. Of like, let's be careful about this whole, well, twenty years for them, and and that's your conclusion on all of this. Yeah, because even, then you just justified what got done to the J six people. And I love how the media does it when they say the pro Palestinian. Yeah. Why don't they call yeah. them anti Israel? Yeah. Anti Semites. Anti Semites. Why don't they call them that? Jew haters. Yeah. Why not? I mean, they're ripping down <laughs> missing, uh, you know, kids that are missing from Israel. Yeah. They're ripping down signs all over the place. Call them anti-Israel. Call them anti-Semite. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, for us pro-lifers or the, for me, an, ab- an abolitionist, they call us anti-abortion. Yep. Notice how they do that? They're pro-Palestine, though. We're not, we're, we're totally condemning what they're for. And we're racist if we stand against Palestine. Mm. Mm. But you're not racist if you're an anti-Semite. No. And actually, somehow, the people who stand for Israel are actually fascists. That one I enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's really enjoyable. It is really enjoyable. I think, too, I'm finding out Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So the more he accuses you of your sin, he's the father of lies and sin, dude. Yep. Get out of here. Get out of here with that mess. Dude, some of you, this is what's so crazy, too, is like some of you people, Christians especially, you're afraid to be called a racist. Dude, y'all got to get over this crap. You're afraid to get called a racist. You're afraid to be called a homophobe and a bigot and all these other. Get over it. Because, dude, they're going to call you all that anyway. The more they keep increasing this bullcrap, they're going to find some reason to call you the very thing until you submit 
to them and bow to them and their dictates. That's what mm-hmm. they do. And and then they still won't respect you. No. Matter of fact, they they have they lose more respect for you when you when you bow down your yeah. knee because they can't trust on you to be strong. No, they're not going to trust. They don't care about you. They care about their agendas. I got to find that clip of Newsom when he said that one percent stuff. What? Uh, so so someone had said, you know, how come you didn't comment on such and such? This was like two weeks ago, and then he said, well, I, they're they're one percent of the population. I'm not going to comment every time something gets said. I'm like, you just blurted oh, out the truth. There it is, right there. But we're promoting it one month a year. Yeah. We're, we're doing all this. Cra- it's just we've, ridiculous. We've got to talk about it every day. I know. We've, we've got to have it day. on every magazine, e- every website. Everyone's a homophobe or a transphobe. Every, Everybody's just mad at them. Every Everybody. TV show has to have a transgender yeah, man. And we need to change. It. We need to change stories. You know, our old yep. cool fairy tales now have to include gay people and mm-hmm. the different races and all that stuff. It's like, who's setting the agenda here? It we do not care. It ain't. It ain't. It ain't yeah. right. But like it, you, you really look at this and you go, well, you know, go woke, go broke, man, and that's what's happening. So you know what, Bud Light, keep your stuff. You know what, Disney, keep your stuff, dude. I guess Disney's hurting, man. They because are. They're just hurting, right? And it's like, good. Maybe you'll learn, dude. If they, if they produced wholesome family content. They, they would, would be crush it. Gangbusters. They that's would what, crush it. That's what I don't understand is like, how many fools do you have to put in a room before one sober-minded person goes, uh, if we just did family stuff If for we did what America, we originally intended set out to do. Like, we'd make billions doing Billions, this. bro. All we got to do is not put all of our values in it. So it's not about money. No. Like their old movies will make like so much money now today. They're old movies, but you can't because Bambi can't be killed. Bambi, Bambi can't be killing them. You know what I mean? Because that's hurting animals. Snow right? Snow White? Snow White? Snow White? She ain't Snow Black. It's so (laughs) it's actually fired her, which is good though. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was man. She was a a anchor on that company. (laughs) Who (laughs) the the lady who was playing the live action Snow White? Like she. The things that came out of her mouth, it was just like, oh, goodness. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> so, like, if they went back to family content, we're, just, we're kind of getting off here, but Ratatouille. this is what happens. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he is, uh, he is he's determined to make sure looks, Ratatouille. It's because he looks like Ratatouille. Put the oh. camera on him. Put the camera on him. I'm, I'm Linguini. <laughs> <laughs> you got Alfredo the, Linguini. You got the ears for it, son. Yep, yep, yep. You got the ears for it. Maybe even the schnoz. Yeah. A handsome schnoz, nonetheless. The movie is so racist against French people. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. So racist against French people. Or Italian. Or, yeah. I don't know what it is. They're French, French, I think. Right? They're French, right? The mouse is French? Maybe they're Italian. It is definitely discriminatory against mice. Yes. Because we, we invaded their colonies. In that movie, and we shouldn't. Uh, we didn't ask permission. We we built to on see top how they live. Of, built on top of their sewers, and it was slave labor. Did they pay Ratatouille? Did they no. pay him to no. cook? Linguini stole his ideas. Appropriated culturally, appropriated his ideas. <gasps> Two Kens talking on a microphone. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the number four show. <laughs> Ukraine votes to ban a religious body. Because this will go over well. That's right. They just had a first round to vote ba- to ban the main religious body, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Aren't you glad you have your Ukrainian flag on your filter? No, this. Aren't you glad that we gave them how much billions now? Oh, billions upon billions. I don't yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Like aren't you billion, glad you're supporting the lack of free speech here? Christian, because you don't do your homework. Sorry, I'm not trying to be mean here, but it's no, true. you're right. You're right. Because you don't research... This guy's done this before. This guy's crazy. I mean, this, this country's nuts. They, they were, they're, they're silencing free speech all the time. They're pressing everything. And now they're voting against a religious body. That's ridiculous. They're not for liberty. So you start to think, why did Russia go after him? What was the right. point? What was the point of that? I'm not pro-Russia. I'm not pro-anybody. I'm pro-America. I'm pro-Jesus. I'm pro-gospel. Right. You know? It's... And here's... Maybe you're like, oh, well, you know, it was really close, and there's a lot of argument about it. Oh, but that's funny, because in a passage of 267 to 15, 267, 15 people said, no, this isn't a good idea. We shouldn't do this. 267 said, yeah, let's ban the Orthodox Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Let's ban them. Let's outlaw it. 
Let's give. I wonder where all those people are that hate banning books. You know. Yeah. I wonder yeah, what they're, they're going to say about this. this? Hmm. hmm. Here's the deal, guys. The accusation is that the UOC priests and bishops sometimes are facilitators for Russian intelligence and harbor pro-Putin views. You hear that? Does that make sense to you? Some might be giving some intelligence. Some might have pro-Putin views. So we have to ban the entire church. Because some priests and leaders might be giving some intelligence and some might have some pro-Putin views, the church itself needs to be banned. Hmm. Having a form of godliness and they deny its power. That's what the way this Zelensky cat's been operating. He's, he's all about making a face look good, but he's denying right here. They're actually going to say... There's no power in the because the church could harbor because government doesn't do that. We should vote to ban government because they don't have the power, and they cannot restore power back to its people. But you know who can restore power? Energy Ops <laughs> LLC. Give it to them. Give Energy it to Ops. them. I'm telling you. Give it to them. That was awesome. Energy Ops LLC. Net. These guys. Especially die US. Energy ops die US. That's what I'm saying. See, he got it wrong. Dude, I've been doing this ad and I'm gonna keep forgetting. I do too. I'm sorry, brother. Yeah, Michael, please forgive us. But it, it Massey's at, restore your power. Get your power back. Energy do or spread your power. We should be writing slogans for him. Get your power back, energy ops. That's right. Are you a concerned citizen about losing your power? Get it back with Energy Ops LLC. Dude, that's so that'd be good. A we got to do commercial. Michael, no. we are doing commercials for you at some point, at some time. We are going to do your commercials. 843 263 1724. If you're in the South Carolina area, reach out to this fella. He's a supporter of ours, but he's also a great, great, great advocate. We just we bless their family, what they're doing. He's an incredible, uh, I mean, he's a veteran owned, all those things. So you guys want to support? He supports us. It's the kingdom work. Praise yeah. God. God is moving. And, and he's awesome. And he does residential, he does commercial, he does generator hookups. He he can do a, a EV hookups, that kind of thing, because everybody's getting an EV now. And fossil fuels are going to be banned in the next five years. So go get your EV, but he'll hook it up for you. That's right. Energyops.us. Yes. Go there. Go there. Charleston, South Carolina area. By all means, get a, his company has grown rapidly. Get on the train. Give him a phone call. Mm-hmm. God, we love that guy. All right, now into the faith topics. So these are going to be kind of two topics kind of blended into one. I want to start on the love section so that then we can move into the joy, Yeah, right? I think people think when we talk about the love of God, it's that cheesy type weird love that, you know, hugs and kisses. That's really not what love is. Love is sacrificial. Love is... God lavishing his love on you, even though you don't deserve it. That's Mm -hmm. real, true, honest love. And um, if most Christians had that view of love, we would learn to call out sin when sin is there, and we would learn to walk in righteousness. And I think it's an awesome topic that you picked. I think it's great. Amen. So we talk about the love of God for us all the time. Right, all the time. The conversation is, well, God loves us. I hope the microphone didn't catch. We have all those scriptures memorized, and we are sure to tell each other how much God loves us, right? But do we really think about how much He actually loves us? There's a difference. We talk about all of it. Do we actually think about how much He actually loves us? Do we understand what that looks like? So this image that we often get in our head is a harsh, straight-lipped God yeah, yeah, yeah. who crosses His arm... And, and is casting down frowns upon us, and then we remind ourselves that he loves us. Yeah. That this stoic God, yeah, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us. And that's a really cool thing you just said, because I was like that, and I kind of gave my story a little bit. I've been serving God since 2001, you know, just like being a servant. But it wasn't until about like six years ago where I understood there's actually this love side of God, and I still don't fully grasp it, Same you know here. what I mean? But Because how can you? I mean, his yeah. love's so infinite in depth and... You know, <clears throat> it's, but I didn't understand. I was more like a, like a slave to God, you know, say, hey, you save me. I'll do whatever you want. I kind of served him that way. 
And whenever I did something wrong, it's like, they're, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, you know what I mean? Like all those things. And I think those, the, that walk I had was important for me not to violate his law, not to violate his word, not to violate. Mm. But then all of a sudden you see this other side where it's like he actually wants a union with you. He desires a covenant with you more than you desire the covenant. He died for you. That's incredible love. Like you said, and, and it's it's in here in Zephaniah, and I want you to read it and go through it. I don't want to take your, your points because I think they're important. I want you to really hit the points. But I started to realize, like, he actually does love. And I'm praying every day for an encounter of his love. Mm-hmm. That, to me, has kept me from sin. That's kept me from any of the stuff. It's, it's the cross. I look at his cross, I'm like, that's, that's love. Help me encounter that. What does that mean? You know what I mean? So it's just been really cool to, to walk this. And it's so funny you're talking about this. I'm praying the same time you're actually reading this scripture and, yeah. and all the stuff. So yeah. kill it, man. That's so, not right. Do good, man. <laughs> Let's talk about love. Kill it. I, the Lord's been highlighting Zephaniah 3.17 to me a lot lately. And when, when I was reading the other day, I read over this, and it's been brought to my attention before, but now it's hitting me in a whole different light. And I want you to actually listen to what this is saying. The Lord your God is in your midst. Woo! He's in your midst. In the midst. He is a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Is that how we actually picture our Lord? Exalting, shouting, and rejoicing over you in joy? Come on. We don't picture him that way. We don't think about that. No. We think about God going, yeah, I love you. Why did you do that? Yeah. As opposed to he is actually exulting in joy over you. He's shouting, and that, that term in, in the Hebrew is more akin to like spinning around and shouting, right? Like dancing and shouting over you. We don't ever picture him that way because we don't believe that he actually loves us like that. I love that. When you have a true, deep, unconditional love for somebody, a passion for them, kind of like when, when you... You first fall in love. And I don't mean like you you fall in lust. Like you actually fall in love for somebody. You want to be around them. Yeah. You you want to you you want to interact with them. You you're excited about seeing them. You can't wait to get around them. Right. Yeah. And we don't we don't picture God like that. No, and I think too, like we'll talk about like even our family members, like our wives and our kids and stuff. And you know, I've heard men do it. I pray we don't do that with our circle, but like whenever I get a chance to talk about the boys. You know you're around oh, yeah. me all the time. It's yeah. like I'm just like I have the best freaking boys in the world. I'm mean, like I rejoice over them. Are they? I mean, they're young. They're gonna screw up, but like I always see the best in them. I mean, mm-hmm. these guys, they're gonna crush the. They're gonna crush the. They're, mm-hmm. they're gonna bruise Satan's head. I mean, I just know it. They're gonna. Yeah. They're gonna go out there and do the stuff. Will they be perfect at it? No. Will they have their moments? Yes. Will they go through all this stuff? Yes. But God's got their walk. God has their soul. God has them in tow. I don't. I don't need to. So I'm rejoicing in the fact that they're walking this out themselves. They ask me hard questions all the time. I remember little Aaron, he was 10 years old. We were walking in California uh, in a, into a convention, and he said, Dad, how, how, do I, how, how am I supposed to know if God is really real? And I thought, what a cool question. And no kidding. I, I know other parents might be, oh, don't say that. It's like, no, no, no. Ask. Yeah. Ask, ask the hard uh, question. Thomas Jefferson actually said in a letter, he said, Question with boldness the existence of God, of a God, he said. Why? Why was he saying that? Not to doubt him, so that you're assured of him, so you understand him. So I told him, ask him. Ask him to show you who he is. He'll do it. Yeah. He's God. He wants to do that for you. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to show you and, and have a union with you more than I desire that. Mm-hmm. And then I think about my wife, and I don't go any place without talking about how awesome, because I truly rejoice over my I was watching Pastor Todd minister last night. And I texted him. I was like, dude, it was a joy to watch you. I mean, I rejoiced over watching him yeah. minister. I mean, he was crushing it, dude. His stories, the, 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 the preaching. I've just, ne- you know, usually see him in church pastoring, and that's kind of his thing. He's actually out here evangelizing. So it's like, wow, it was a different, different view. Mm-hmm. But you rejoice over people. You're like, man, that was, that was amazing, man. I'm so honored to, to, to be here and to do these things. And 
you. You know, there's uh, talking to other people about you. Like it, you, you do the same with me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting to a point here. It's not about me boasting. He does it with his kids. He does it with his wife. He does it with friends. And it's like that's our finite wisdom, finite understanding of love, finite understanding of exactly. rejoicing, finite understanding of you know, at 42, at 37, seven, our finite understanding of these things at this age, what that really means, and we still haven't fully tapped into where I think we should be. No. But here's the God of heaven saying, um, exo- you know, shouting over us, rejoicing over us, loving us, singing over us, all those things, right? And he's the one with the perfect love, the perfect joy, the perfect exaltation. Imagine that. And I still can't like this. This little brain here is like, I don't, I, yeah, my, my wires are crossed. I need a new processor. Like I'm all screwed up here. I, I think, I'm wrecked by it. Actually, I think everybody else is the same way. I'm still trying to like I've got to go deeper on this because it's so hard for me to internalize and place in my heart that God is actually exalting over me, that He's enthusiastic and passionate about me and what I'm doing. You you touched on something that sparked for me. You were talking about watching Pastor Todd and and having this this rejoicing in the moment of. Man, he's in his element. He's killing it. He's doing awesome. Like that's he's in his element. This is so cool to watch. And yet we draw that disconnect of like God never feels that way about me. That's true. What a lie. It is a lie. What good, a lie. Good, good good job. Good good discernment there. I do it. I've done it. Oh, we all do it. You right? know, and 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 the reason why I'm honest I, I mean, I just was raised in a legalistic sense. Even my buddy Joe came, he's like, you know, kind of legalistic about some things. I'm like, probably. I don't know. I mean, I'm just so used to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You start to realize, dang, I am. You know, I love things by the letter. I like when things are in order. I like when things... And sometimes God just wants to take that and go poof. But he wants to keep that in order too, because yeah. the Bible talks about it. So it's like a fine balance. But I'm looking at the Lord going, dang, you know how how he rejoices. The Bible says here, um, he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And I've just never thought about the Lord like that. I've never thought about him doing that like rejoicing over me with shouts of joy. I mean, if you think about that's how God views you, why wouldn't you want a connection with that? Why wouldn't you want a re- uh, union with that? Right. Why wouldn't you want to reach out to him and say, Lord, thank you for rejoicing me over shouts Because I don't feel like rejoicing over myself with shouts of joy, but you do. You see what's in me, Father, and you have my end. And this is where I think people get hung up, and I talked about it a little bit. People don't trust the Lord with their end. They only trust him with the beginning. If you trust him with your end, then you're going to see he does rejoice over you with shouts of joy. You're going to see he does o- exult over you with joy. He's quiet in his love. I mean, I just loved when you brought it up, dude. Yeah. And and if we watch people, they get super excited about their sports team. Sure. Yeah, we won, right? Shouts they, of joy. Shouts of joy. But we disconnect that with the Lord. Like, no, the Lord, he's not going to shout in joy over it. He's going to look at what I did in ministry, and then he's going to, yeah, but you didn't do this. Yeah, but you didn't do that. We place this perfection standard on ourselves. Because we keep trying to go back to the law. We, mm. we we draw law for ourselves of, well, I have to hit it perfectly, and if I don't, then I'm out of the Lord's will, and so therefore the Lord's mad at me. Christ did it. Christ did it all. And, and when we look at the cross, Christ finished, fulfilled all of the law and the prophets. So that means now... Christ is in us, and we are in Christ. So God has the freedom, the Father has the freedom to rejoice over us because we already have Christ. We're a new creation. Yeah, and right? Mike's, Mike's not saying um, that the law is done away with. No, the law no. is actually written in our hearts, so when we get saved, walking in the Spirit of God fulfills that law within you too. We're no longer under the law, we're under the Spirit of grace, under grace itself. Grace helps us and empowers us to move forward, to walk in obedience with God. And I think, I don't know, we, we've just been talking back and forth about this a little bit, just this whole love thing. And you just keep thinking, man, like, people will still make a lot of love. Yes. I have to do these things to get love. I have to do these things to get love. You've made a lot of love kind of dangerous to do, one. Two, um, if that's the case, then works are important, not Christ. Right. Works are your aspects of heaven, not Christ. I can't do anything to do because I didn't do anything to get it. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't lose it. I can't lose right. myself. I didn't do anything to get it or earn it. Right. So how could I lose something I didn't earn or get? He gave it. 
Mm-hmm. I can't lose what he gave me. Yeah. Right? I may disregard it. You know, I may all those things, but I, the fact is I didn't, I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything for it. You know what I mean? He just said, yeah, you're mine. You believe. Right. If you believe, walk in. But then as we believe in him, as we grow in the faith of God and we realize Romans 8 talks about nothing shall separate me from the love of God, you know, well then shoot, what does that love mean? Zephaniah 3. So dope, man. I just thought, I, I mean, I, what a cool view that when you're driving, he rejoices over you. When you're, when, you're, when you're listening to music and being with your sons and daughters, he rejoices over you. Yeah. What a cool feeling. What a cool thing, right? And that's, that, that celebration is we don't do enough with it, right? We, we don't work hard enough with that idea because there's something in us that wants to hold ourselves down and hold ourselves back. And it's the flesh, right? It's the soul. It's the body. Wants to hold you in that separation from the Lord. Truth. But what did the Lord want? The Lord wanted communion with us. Truth. Walk in the cool of the evening, mm-hmm. right? And if we look at John, you know, uh, Joe was talking about John at the men's breakfast. John was, we, we kind of tend to always look at John as kind of this effeminate guy of like laying his head on Jesus' chest and, you know, like Jesus wraps his arms around. Like, okay, man, I'm not that. Right? Us as men, we're like, I'm not that. No. Lana, who's bosom? Yeah. What, what you talking about? Huh? Huh? And and of course the the throughout the gospels the disciple whom Jesus loved right and it's kind of like I kind of wonder if the other disciples kind of like ribbed him like mm, the one that Jesus loved but there was something special in that that connection that that unity that that depth of love where it was like John felt so open and connected with Christ that there was no separation between them it w- it was a vulnerable intimacy. And that's what God wants with us. That's love. And that vulnerable intimacy includes excitement and enthusiasm over what we do when we're using what he's instilled in us. Because going back to the, we cheer for our sports team. Why? Because our heart is with that sports team and we want to see them win. And you'll still continue to cheer for them, even if they lose, even if they have their imperfections, even if they don't play the game perfectly. We still They're cheer still them. Yours. We're still we're still with them. Yep. Right? All that. What do you think he's doing over? He's the perfect God. He's the God of heaven. He wants to perfect you. He wants that's what he wants to perfect you in, in the way so that we emulate people can emulate our faith. You know what I mean? I think that's why it's so heavy to talk about the perfection in Christ. Because as he perfects us, then as you get older, the qualifications of an elder are pretty heavy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Husband of one wife, vigilance over, given a hospitality, apt to teach, one who rules his house well, children in subjection, blah, blah, blah. If he can't take care of his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? Like, he must have a good report to those that are without. Like, so just all these things. And you're thinking you can only get that way if you understand his love and him maturing you in the faith, right? Then you become a well-rounded person, a Christian, a Christ, fo- a Christ follower. You become the thing people can emulate. So when elders are set in place... You, you look at them and go, man, I want to emulate that faith. That is awesome. They may not be the pastor of the church, but man, they're pillars in this church. And I want to be like that. Can you mentor me, please? Like, I want to disciple under you kind of thing. That's what, uh, to me, a true elder, a true leader, true pastor, an, an apostolic covering, those are the things that you love. And you see that and you're like, man, be, please mentor me. Please, like, I, I want to I be discipled by you. And I think that's what happens with the love of God. It shows you how to mature, Right. That if you if he loves you, then you emulate that love to other people, right? And then there's this thing with the aspect of joy. What is real joy? What does it mean? Because it's 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 a fruit of the spirit, you know. I mean, it's part of the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, all that stuff. But why did he consider joy as important as it is? Because we always talk about yeah, joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not not stealing your point. I just no, wanted... yeah, because joy isn't happiness. Joy is not an emotion. No. Joy is a lifestyle to me. Joy is a joy is a strength. It's an overtaking. Joy is a view of things. It's a worldview almost to me. Joy is a way to view something. No matter what it is, I'm going to continue in the joy of Christ that he died for me. Nothing is that important to rob me of joy, right? Happiness, you actually wrote it in here. Happiness is fleeting. It, it, it goes away. It's an emotion. It's external. Joy is internal, 
and compounding in more than an emotion. It's a state of being. It's actually something that we abide in. I'm going to have joy no matter what. Now, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm seeing more and more as I walk this thing out with the Lord, right? How important joy is. Therefore, nothing can offend you. And man, we easily get offended at things. When you have joy and something comes against you, it's like, count it all joy. I'm good. Like, I don't care. Do your thing. And now you start to realize what is joy. It's literally an overtaking by the power of God. It has to be. It has to be. The joy of the Lord becomes my strength and is my strength. Well, that's, I think that's what that means. When you're walking in the spirit, nothing offends you because of the joy that you have doing what you're doing. To your point, somebody was telling me a story about, we, we got on the topic of martyrs the other day, and somebody was telling me a story about a woman who she was in Iraq and she got captured, brutally tortured, beaten, all of that, but spirit-filled Christian woman. The joy of the Lord poured out of her so much that she lavished love on her captors, and when she was released from the prison, she wanted to go back. Wow. You can't do that in your flesh. No way. No way. There is no, no Christian can do that in their flesh. It is purely a fruit of the Spirit that you carry so much joy in the Lord. Has to be. So much love pouring out of you from the Lord that you go, I want to go back because there's still people I need to share Christ with. There's still love I need to pour out on people who are, who are on their way to hell. And as you shift and are the Christian term, sanctified into the image of Christ, your joy goes deeper and deeper and deeper to where, like you're talking about, we don't get hung up on these situations or, or the problems of life. No, I just exude joy no matter the... You'll notice uh, on the thumbnail for this video, there's a picture of like a couple who are loving each other and there's destruction all around. And I pick that because... Happiness will look at the destruction all around. Oh, I'm sad now. Joy is a state of being that even as you walk down that pathway in between the destruction, you still can carry joy. And it's not that Agreed. it doesn't break your heart or grieve you that destruction is around you. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't infest itself into your being. Right. It's it stays at the surface it level does. of emotion. I'm not going to let it rob me of my joy and peace. I'm not going to let it rob me of the sacrifice of Jesus. And and it, it's that James scripture when a man beholds his face in a glass and straightway forgets who he was. It's like if you're not rooted in Christ and the fruit doesn't come from the Spirit, you forget who you are when you look at yourself in a mirror. It talks about that perfect law of liberty, uh, all that stuff. But how how do people? Get joy, Mike. What, what does that look like? Because I know that's a tough topic. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about it, we, we reference it, and we've heard some sermons about it, but, dude, without the constant study of the Word and, like, abiding, it's just impossible to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. How? So I've, I've got a list here, and I want you to, to sure. hammer into I'll try in some to. opinions. Or here we go. Scripture, scripture, you know. So how do you get it? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of your work. It is a fruit of the Spirit, okay? So how do you get more of the Spirit? You have the Spirit in you. So some people, you can't get more of the Spirit. You've already got all the Spirit. You can. Yes, but how submitted are you to the Spirit? That's the question, because the flesh and the Spirit are at war within our members. So the question is, how devoted and obedient are you to the Spirit, a.k.a. submitted? If you're submitted fully to the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are going to grow through you. Okay, so that means abiding in Christ. It means being obedient to the Father's will. If Father tells you, go here, you go there. If he tells you, don't do this, you don't yeah, do this. Yeah. Repentance and sanctification. Yep. This is very important. Why repentance? Usually, you know, we're new in Christ. You may be new in Christ, but almost guaranteed you're still carrying some bitternesses somewhere. You're still carrying some unforgiveness somewhere, right? Yeah. We, we have these old wounds and scars that still need to be dealt with. And so we've got to continually renew our mind, right. be transformed. Part of that is cleansing out the 
bitternesses we Truth. have and the unforgiveness to create space for gratitude. And when you meditate on gratitude, when you thank and praise the Father for what He's given you, that opens up the space for joy to come in. Gratitude and joy are best friends. Amen. They're, they're best friends. They are. It's almost like a production. If you have joy, you'll produce the fruits. I mean, like the, the, the happiness, the gratitude, the thanksgiving, the, yeah. the forgiveness, because I, joy comes from God. I cannot leave that joy. I can't. I was, uh, did, a, did a, a celebration of life a couple, uh, like last Saturday. And um, the coolest thing happened. I, I don't. I don't typically like doing that. I remember when I first got saved, and I was like ordained to pastor and stuff, and like to minister. I was like, I, "Lord, I'll never marry and bury." You know, I just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? I don't want to make the covenants with people. I don't want to have to sit there and say, "Well, I guess he went to heaven." You know, I don't want to do none of that. I just want to go save souls, yeah. right? So I go to. Then I meet Pastor Todd. It was like within months that I became the associate. He was like, "Yeah, we, I need you to do this celebration of life." This was a couple, few years ago. I'm going on vacation. I was like. I couldn't say no. It's right. like, you know, it's like, first, he's my, he's my boss. Second, he's my boss. Like, right. how do you tell your boss? You can't tell Where, him, yeah. Where's Rick? Yeah, yeah, no, no. And he wasn't here at the time. <laughs> right. he, wasn't, he wasn't a part of the staff. Right. So I remember doing it, and I remember uh, it was probably one of the more fulfilling things I've ever done because I was able to preach the gospel and, you know, see the heart of this man who passed away through his family's mm -hmm. eyes. And there was, you know, obviously in family, there's contention sometimes, and but the overall thing, I had to assure them scripturally, like, this is what this promise is. This is what, if he prayed repentance and he was on that, you know, he's, he's, he's Christ. I mean, by his profession of faith and, mm -hmm. you know, that he, his belief is, 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 is uh, he believed in Christ. And so I remember that. And then all of a sudden I just got one do, doing one on Saturday for a dear friend, uh, you know, sister passed away and stuff like that. And <clears throat> preached the gospel. I don't remember half of it. I'm just, I just went, you know, I, I, I love that. Pastor Todd said, just be you. You're, you're best when you're just you, right? So I just went at it. All of a sudden, it was done. I was like, God dang, I missed that. You know what I mean? Two people got saved and baptized Amen. in the Spirit. It was awesome Amen. to watch. Like, they literally got saved. It was, like, awesome. They came up to the front and prayed over them. It was great. And I remember driving to a party that night, a birthday party for one of my son's uh, friends. And I'm there ministering a little bit, too. You know what I mean? It was like, we were there for a few hours, and I was joy and praying over people and giving some words. And I remember driving home. And I think I was supposed to meet up with you that night, and you ditched me. Anyway, <laughs> joy. Talk about so, love, forgiveness. Right. But I, <laughs> I'm going home, and I felt the Lord tell me clear as day, and I'm crying. Because I'm like, Lord, economy with that. I just want your love all the time. You know what he told me? I've only ever called you to love my people. And it was like, I, when it shot through me, I was like, and I'm, oh, yeah, Lord, I want to love your people. But you know when you quit loving his people? When, you're, when you don't have the joy. When that outlook of your life is no longer joy, you incluse you you you're you're inward. You're not focusing outward. When joy is not your strength, you're not out to, for people's happiness. You're out for your own happiness. You're trying right. to find that joy, find your way back, and you're not looking at the things of others. You're not exalting that. You're not honoring. You're you're literally introspective. It doesn't flow out of you like it should because mm -hmm. the joy of the Lord is what? My strength. That's what I abide with. I go with. That's what leads me is joy. And so I just want to stay in that joy pocket. Just like, let me be at joy. If I get nothing else out of this life, Lord, no more revelation. Just give me, keep me in your joy and your love for people. If all I ever do is preach the gospel with my life, and that's all I ever do, then let me be content with that and let's go get them. And I think that's that freedom. It doesn't have to be a ministry, like self-evident. It doesn't have to be you know, all this stuff. It could just be you ministering and being a part of a church that disciples you. Don't forsake the gathering, right? So like, there's those simple things and joy does that. It literally simplifies your walk is what it feels like. When you walk in joy and abide in joy in Christ, it simplifies everything. You get your eyes off things that don't matter. You don't have to scroll through endless amounts of social media. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Like you just really want to abide with Christ. That's where your heart is all the time. And that's know? why we we try to replace Christ with yeah. everything else because we think it's going to give us joy. I was talking to somebody last night about rest. What does it mean to rest? And I was telling them, I was like, uh, there's so many things we do that we think give us rest, but they don't because we're looking elsewhere, right? We yeah. do this all the time. We look elsewhere of like, well, if it makes me feel good, if it gives me pleasure, it must be good for me. It must give me rest. It must make me whole. We do the same thing with joy. 
well, if I've got the right car, I've got the right house, I've got the right kids, I've got the right job, whatever, then I'll have joy. No, you'll be happy for a season. And you'll, if you'll, you're lucky, you'll go right back to that pit you were just be, in. And I, I've thought about that in terms of like cars. I drive a Buick LaCrosse, right? 2008. Let's say I get my dream car, the, the $2 million supercar work of art. How long before that goes old for me? How long before the excitement and the passion and the dream of it? wears off and it becomes another car expensive car Mm. it happens to all of us yeah and a lot of times we don't even recognize it happens but we get so used to something and the joy that we think we have in something wears off so we go after something else that's a counterfeit joy that we're trying to replace with the fruit of the spirit joy that's why i think it's so important with what you're saying is like it's the Lord who instills joy in us and pours out of us. And when it does, you notice what you were saying fulfills the two greatest commandments that Christ talked about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. When you're full of joy, you can't help but fulfill those. Yeah, dude, you can't. And, and to the introverts, I'm with you. I'm an introvert. You need your time to rest. You need your time to be introspective. Oh. Right, and that's yes. that's not what Massey was saying. Is well, you'll become an extrovert if you're full of no, joy. No, Otherwise, no. you're just bitter, sad. No, you just you rest differently. Yeah, you your know? your introvertness becomes selfishness, is what I'm saying. It, exactly. My wife's an introvert. You're an introvert. Far from selfish, you guys. Right. I think you guys pour out a lot. But what I'm saying is, you begin to internalize your walk, and you're then you begin to self condemn right. your walk, and you begin to you're because self, 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 self. Yeah, and and introverts. They're just a different breed. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert, obviously, right? But there are times, you know what my rest is? Saying no. I, I can't do everything anymore. You know, and I'm realizing age is kind of doing it, and not by the spirit, but it's by age. <laughs> Dang, I used to be able to do that. I can't do that no more. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't, I just can't do that. You know right. what I mean? I used to be really the life of the party, and I love being the life of the party. It's fun. And my wife thinks I'm a goofball, but like I can't do what I used to do. And, and I think it's maturity. You're just realizing, you know, you're putting away childish things. You're not doing things anymore. But it's the same with introverts. There's a lot of wisdom introverts carry, and I think we need to acknowledge that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of wisdom uh, because they, they, they're, 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 they're not selfish. They're actually pondering. They're mulling things over. Mm-hmm. So to them, that's important to do. I just say whatever's on my mind. I don't always mull it over. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gotten me in trouble a few times, you know? It's funny because we've we've had those conversations where for you it's like, say it because it's there, and then, well, I'll clean it up after <laughs> if I have to. And me, yeah, it's like, times. I'll mull over that for four days before I say it because it's like, I want this to be perfect when I shoot it out. And I'm not saying either one's right or wrong. There's just a different approach to, to how yeah. you interact with others. And I think if you look at Christ, Christ, we could... I think it's safe to say is the perfect combination of the two. He would minister for hours upon hours, take care of everybody, but then he'd go separate himself out and he'd get alone. Right. What was he doing in that alone time? He was not flipping through Netflix mindlessly. He was spending time with the Father. I think some people think, oh, well, that's, that's so stressful and that takes so much energy because you haven't, you haven't broken through the flesh resistance right. to where spending time with the Lord actually becomes restful. There's something to it where when you can break through that body resistance, that soul resistance, to where spending time with the Lord becomes restful, and you start to desire it. And when you start doing that more and more, guess what's instilled in you? The joy of the Lord. And so then you grow in gratitude. And and I find myself driving home like, Lord, I am so unbelievably thankful for my family. Yeah. I'm so thankful for... I, I was telling Andrew last night, it's like there are people who hate going to work on a Monday morning. The the whole, what's it called? Sunday scaries or whatever. Sunday night. And I've been through this. Sunday night is, oh, gosh, I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to... Oh, man, I got to work Monday, blah, blah. Monday's coming, blah, 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 blah. They live... Misery five days a week for a day and a half of joy. 
joy. Right, right. Think about that. They go Monday through Friday, misery, can't stand it. Friday, they're excited because tomorrow's Saturday. They go through Saturday. Yeah, this is fun. This is great. Sunday but for about a half a day. Yeah, this is great. And then that second half of Sunday, they start the foreboding of Monday starts hitting them and they start getting miser- miserable, right? Yeah. I love my job. I do not wake up going, oh, I gotta go to work again. No, there's times where it's like, oh man, I gotta deal with this. You're at just the tired. Office. Yeah, you're right. just tired or you you know. But I I want to get to bed earlier because then I can get up earlier to do the things that I'm doing because I find passion and drive and and heart in what I'm doing. And I'm coming to a point on this. I feel gratitude with what the Lord's given me. Yeah. An overwhelming gratitude. I love the people that surround me. I love my family. I love my job. And you're, yeah, you're just rubbing it in. No, I'm rejoicing in what the Lord has given me. Right. Now, there may be a time when those things are taken from me, but I'll still rejoice in the Lord because I have him no matter what. Right, right. I think, too, um, you wrote in here Proverbs 10, 28. You didn't write it. The Bible's the, clear about yeah. That's scripture. I... I Stole it. The prospect of the righteous is joy. What is prospecting? Hmm. Go with that. You know, what is prospecting? You remember when they used to prospect for gold and... You're testing. You're You're, you're prodding. You're you're moving. You're actually digging, you know. The righteous, when they dig for it, they get joy. When they dig after Christ, when they're abiding, when they're constantly seeking, the prospect of the righteous is joy. You know what I mean? And he says that... He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, the Bible says. Are you diligently seeking him for that thing that can overcome in your life, which is joy and peace? Do you notice the contrast? So it says the prospecting of the righteous is joy. The testing, the digging, the searching, the looking for, the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. Oh, dude, that hope of, that hope of, I'm writing on Saturday's happiness, that whole week you're dreading. So you're writing on... Coattails of ha- of hope, coattails yeah. of happiness, right? It's like saying it's like going to church on Sunday and not doing anything for the Lord throughout the week, like seeking Him or anything. You're literally living on Sunday's manna, sort of, kind of, and so you end up con- continuously being in sin and wickedness because you're not seeking the Lord for that breakthrough that you need in your life, right? You really need that breakthrough to happen. That and it, this is me, man. Like I, I want that prospect of joy in my heart. Just like Lord, I want to seek you. I get up mornings. I started getting up in the morning, seeking the Lord, like just like being quiet and patient. And there are times nothing happens. I mean, yeah. there's peace, but there's nothing Absolutely. happens. And I'm like, you know Same what? Here. I'm going to get up and do it again. Yep. I'm going to get up and do it again, Lord, because yep. you promised that I would have joy. You promised that I would have, you promised you would reward if I diligently sought. I'm not diligently seeking for the reward. That's just your promise. I'm not doing it for the reward. I'm doing it to know you. And not all the times it's flash and pans. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm like weeping. But most <laughs> most it's times like, it's just I'm like I'm just chilling time with the Lord. Just just Lord teach me your ways, man. Like yeah. I got no no agenda. I don't want to pray for I pray for the country during the day and all that stuff. Right now, I need to know you. Mm-hmm. Teach me to be a better father, a better husband, Lord. Show me what love is so I can love them, so I can love your people, so I can be honest with people. I don't want to just be honest without love. You know, because you're prospecting, you're you're digging, you're in, mining, you're testing, yeah, you're yeah. mining. And what I love is the prospect of the righteous is joy, right? So you're 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 testing, you're digging, you're you are righteous. What are you getting out? What are you what are you mining? You're mining joy back. Yeah. And and I think that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. Yeah. You should be. I'm in the process. I'm in the journey. It's not the end goal, right? And that's the difference. I don't find I don't find all the joy in the end goal. There's Truth. joy in the end goal, but I don't find the all the joy in that. You know where I'm finding the joy? It compounds deeper and deeper and deeper in the process or the journey. And people will talk about that. And you see the difference between somebody who has figured out the joy of the journey versus somebody who only finds the joy in the win or the joy in the goal. Because you get the guys, the top-level athletes, who they, they retire, they can't handle it. They hit the peak. Now it's all over. What do I do now? Right? But then you have other athletes who they found joy, deeper welling joy. I know I'm talking about soul. You know, that's, yeah. that's a different thing from spirit. But they're finding a deeper satisfaction and contentment in the journey. And they live a much richer life. 
And as a Christian, when we dive deep and prospect for righteousness in Christ, it results in more joy. And then you walk through a lifetime of joy, no matter what the season is. And your hand is open to where the Lord can put something in your hand during the season, and then he'll take it out, and you're okay with that, because you know, my father's faithful. My father's taking care of me. Something else will pop in that the Lord will want me to do, that the purpose will... Somebody at church, and I won't name who, um, received a word, and at first, this person was really miffed by the word, because the word seemed really shallow, kind of like, okay, that's cool, thanks. But then they went back and listened to the word again. And what they realized was, the word was, you've done well with the season, now you're in a new season. Mm. And this season is that of rest. You, don't, you, you, you carried the burden, you don't need to carry it anymore. And dude, it lit them up in joy. Because I get it. I don't have to worry about that last season anymore. That's not what's expected of me. I can have joy in this season, right? And so often what we do is we're trying to hold on to that old. And so we forfeit the joy of the new because we're not listening to the Lord and being obedient to him in season and out of season. But if you prospect with righteousness and you continue to dig deeper of like, Lord, I just want to commune with you. You're going to hear when the Lord's like, it's okay. You're done. Yeah, Move I think here. this is what makes it difficult to talk about, like, because we don't understand it. You know what I mean? I'm sitting back in my chair going, you know, and I look goofy, but I'm just like, I, I was sitting back here like, I just can't comprehend some of this stuff. Me either. Because of how, you know, new it is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just... The striving stops in joy. Yes. The the carrying the burden stops with joy. Because his yoke is easy and burden light. But then he says, "Is it, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your souls. He said, learn of me. Learn of me, right? Because his yoke is easy and burden light. I think that's just amazing. Man, learn of me. Good. Seek me. The prospect of the righteous is joy. Learn of me. Seek me. Abide in me. And you'll have peace. Wicked, you know? wicked just have hope. Yeah. And hope Think is not faith. That. No. Hope, hope is empty. Uh, I hope you in, give in me what sense. I need, Lord. Yeah. It's empty. That's not faith. I hope you heal me. No, belief is I believe. Right. The word says I believe. The promise is that. You know, so asking for love is pretty important. Yeah. I, I think, man, we could go for hours on this, but I think that's a yeah, great we could. place for us to end. Start to seek the Lord. And meditate on what it means for his love for you. Because as that grows, you're going to desire more and more communion with him, which when you commune with him more often, it will result in more joy. You want more joy in your life? That's the way to do it. Commune with him and truly ask for, Lord, I want revelation about how you love me and about how I love you grow my love for you. So we're going to see you guys Friday. And we hope you got something out of this. Remember, we, we tend to do like cultural politics stuff on Fridays. We do more faith stuff on Mondays. And, and I actually, I was telling Melissa that this morning and she's like, no, that's really good. I like that. And so we, we try to give you all of it because that's what we do. But you got Massey, you got Mike, man, we love you guys so much. We hope you guys have a great, we day, love great you. week. See you Friday. Love y'all.